Happy New Year and welcome to Your Money, Your Wealth number 255, the first episode of 2020. Today, Joe and Big Al will answer all your remaining questions from 2019, which is why this episode is a little bit lengthy. They'll explain once and for all the five-year clocks for Roth conversions and Roth contributions, and they'll cover pro rata rules. Well, hopefully it'll all make sense to you by the time they get through it. If not, let us know. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, then click the banner that says Ask Joe and Big Al on air and send us a voice message or an email with your questions and comments. Also today on YMYW, we'll find out what Joe and Big Al think about holding cash until the inevitable economic downturn, lump sum investing versus dollar cost averaging, and the total world stock index fund. We've also got a bunch of derails at the end, which also adds to the length of today's episode. I'm producer Andy Last, and now for from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Amazon Echo Devices, and your favorite podcast app. Here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Go into the email bag, Big Al. Already? I didn't hear your New Year's resolutions yet. I don't have any. No? Did you have any last year? Yeah. What? I, I, I write them down and I achieve them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like old news. I mean, you thought about it for months because uh, you already finished it. Yes. Right. But do you, have you done your financial summit yet? No. At Chili's? January. <laughs> Got it. All right. When you do your financial summit, I'll give you my New Year's resolutions. All right. I want to answer more questions. That's okay. For the new year. Okay. You know, that, that's I think your resolution? Yeah, we're on our way. Okay. Uh, number one. Uh, I don't know why I just numbered them. I don't either. You, because I'm rubbing off on you. Oh, God, that's awful. <laughs> All right. The first question. Well, no, is... this guy's got three questions. Yeah, he does. Hi, Joe, Al, and Andy. Uh, this is Stephen again from Orange County. All right, Stephen. Great. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I would like to thank you for your recent recommendation you made of taking out equity from my house uh, to pay the taxes needed to make a large Roth convergence over the next few years. This so will so one, one second. It wasn't really a recommendation. It was a possible suggestion based upon the limited facts that we had. Thank you, Big Al. Compliance. Um, this, was, this was all hypothetical, too. <laughs> <laughs> we just made up Stephen. He's not a real person. <laughs> I'm kidding, Stephen. Um, yeah. All right. This will help me reduce the large RMDs that will occur when I'm 70 and help to reduce future taxes when my income will be the highest. Now I have several questions that I hope you can answer concerning the five-year rules, um, two of which I never heard discussed. All right, well, we can okay, discuss them now. First time on the show. Nice. I've listened several times to your recent Roth podcast and still not cl- uh, completely clear on the rules, especially concerning my first question. Stephen, trust me, you're not the only one that gets confused <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's normal, actually. It is very normal. Um, okay, let's see. Number one. For people over age 60, specifically, uh, to try to simplify this, if I made $10,000 yearly Roth conversions and 6000 yearly Roth contributions each year from 2015 through 2019 and kept the contribution and conversion accounts separate, would the entire amount of both of the accounts, five-year totals, including growth, be eligible to be taken out 2020 since five years have passed from the opening of the accounts? And I'm over the age of 60, or only on the contribution conversion amounts made in 2015. Okay, reading the question just confused all of our listeners. (laughs) So let me just explain the five-year rules. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) 
Let's just start with when you're 60 and older, 59 and a half and older, because it gets way more confusing when you're younger. Okay. There's two five-year clocks. Five-year clock is on contributions, and there's a five-year clock on conversions. If you are over 50, the five-year, there's really no two-year clocks. I mean, if you're over 60 or 59 and a half, I'm sorry. Well, you got me confused oh, no. there for a second. Son of a... God. It's like, wow, this is a new rule that you just made <laughs> yeah, up. It just came out in the Secure Act. <laughs> All right, let me start over. Okay, There please. is two five-year rules. Okay. And the five-year rule applies to individuals taking money out of a Roth IRA tax-free. Okay. So, if I am over the age of 59 and a half. Okay, I'm with you. All right. Now. The five-year rule is basically the same. For conversions and for contributions. Yeah, and so so 59 and a half and older, it's actually much simpler. So we're going to start there. So if I make a contribution, and if I'm 59 and a half and older, my first year, I've never established a Roth before, I establish a Roth today. Okay. I'm 59 and a half. I put money into that Roth IRA. I have, the, I have full access to the money Next day, if I do a conversion or if I do a contribution of the principal only. Principal only. So that's the key. Okay. Now, I have to wait five years to have tax-free earnings off my contributions or conversions. Make sense? Yep. Makes sense. So uh, let's say I have to wait until I'm basically 65 years old to take all of the dollars out tax-free. Yeah, 100%. 100%. However, I have full access to the contribution dollars, and I have full access to the conversion dollars. Yeah, so to, to use your example, Stephen, so your $10,000 conversion and your $6,000 contribution, you're, you're 60 years old, uh, and so this applies to anyone 59 and a half and older, you have access to those funds dollar for dollar next day. You don't have to wait five years. Now, if that $6,000 becomes $6,100 because of earnings, that extra $100, you have to wait five years. But you have access to the first $6,000 or that first $10,000 on a conversion immediately. The five-year clock starts with the first dollar that hits your first Roth IRA. And that affects all future IRA contributions, conversions. So it's not separate five-year clocks. Now, the separate five-year clock is only calculated if you're under 59 and a half for conversions. Yeah, but I, I want to come back to that one second because okay. that I don't want to confuse people. So, so in other words, like let's say if you use your example, ten thousand dollars is converted for five years, so that's fifty thousand dollars, and six thousand dollars is contributed for five years, that's thirty thousand dollars. So over a five-year period, it's eighty thousand dollars. Anytime between day one and before year five, you can take those contribution conversion amounts out at any point. You just have to wait. You just have to wait until on the on the earnings part, you have to wait the five years. Now, the fact that you do a contribution in year two, your five-year clock started in year one. You do a contribution in year three, the five-year clock started in year one. It's that first Roth that you have starts the five-year clock. So now if you... The, the, the separate five-year clock for conversions happens if you're under 59 and a half. And the reason why that is, if you just think it, think of it logically, is that let's say I'm 40 years old and I do a Roth IRA conversion. So I convert $10,000 into my Roth IRA. Right? I have to wait five years, 45, to have access to the dollars, even the, 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 the principal. The principal. 
because people avoided the 10% penalty by converting dollars and then taking the money right out. Right. And say, no, I, I converted it to a Roth, and then I took it out of the Roth the next day. Right. So they're like, no, each conversion needs its own five-year clock. It's like kind of that same thing. It's like if you buy something on Amazon, wait the next day to sit, hit send, right? Because the likelihood of you buying it, no, you guys never do this stuff? Am I the only one addicted to, to buy stuff <laughs> on I Amazon? If I just buy it, Joe. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Right? No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Actually, I, I had a very fi- wise financial planner years ago that told me when you really want something, Wait 30 days and still see if you still, you still really see want if it. you still want it. And usually you don't. Right. Although you would have still bought your uh, Darth Vader mask. I, I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> guarantee. Pretty sure. Uh, that could have been a buzzed purchase. Um, it <laughs> could have been. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you could have waited on the next morning and <laughs> yeah, say, what was I, I thinking? I could have just had a sandwich and a cup of coffee and I probably would have bought that. Anyway. Probably. Yeah. So, all right. So what they're, they were trying to avoid, to skirt around the law. Right, so they they established a separate five year clock for conversions. Yeah, so that, and that makes a lot of sense. And 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 again, just to reiterate, so if you're 40 years old and you need to take money out of your IRA, you have to pay a tax and penalty. So what people were doing is they were converting and then pulling it out. No, oh, I don't have to pay a penalty. Well, the IRS said no, that, that that's not fair. So they make you wait five years before you can get that principal. You've already paid taxes on it when you do the conversion, but you have to wait five years to get at that principal. But I will tell you. The day you turn 59 and a half, that rule doesn't yeah, apply anymore. Yeah, it doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. Right. But if you've done a conversion and you, you've you never established a Roth IRA before, well, yeah, well, then the five-year clock applies. So you just have to look at when did you first establish a Roth IRA, when was your first conversion, and how old you are. And then it sounds like Stephen is 60. So don't worry about the second five-year clock. If I got all these different conversions, do I have to look at a separate five-year clock for the conversions? That's only if you're under 59 and a half, and that's for people trying to skirt the system to try to avoid the 10% penalty. You are over 60, Stephen, it sounds like, um, but you write like a, a 52-year-old. Yeah, one, one other quick thing I want to say is when you do take money out of your Roth, they, they assume that you're taking principal out first and earnings second. They don't make you prorate it. So in other words, you can take that full $6,000 out or that full $10,000 out, even if it's made money, and they, they treat that as principal first. So you can a lot of people don't realize you really do have access to these funds a lot sooner than you think. And it's, it's a four-tier. So how it, I mean, to really get in the weeds oh, here, Stephen, I know. He's got two more questions. I know, but it's four-tiered. So first they take out contributions, then conversions, then the earnings from contributions, then the earnings from conversions. So That's good, good to know. Yeah, it's great to know. News hey, you when you have a little cocktail at the old uh, Christmas party, <laughs> hey, do you know Roth contributions or Roth IRAs have a four-tiered uh, distribution? <laughs> but See, that's why I'm just... Anyway, yeah. anyway, okay, next question, Stephen. Uh, does it make sense any longer, once past age 59, uh, to separate Roth contributions and conversion accounts? No. Commingle them. Put them together. Um, I was going to roll over a single Roth 401k account starting in 2016, consisting of both contributions and conversions from Schwab to a Vanguard Roth IRA that was started in 2018. But the Vanguard representative told me that it would mean that the Schwab money would be rolled back from 2016 to 2018 concerning the five-year rule of commingled, which account uh, that has begun in 2018. Is she correct? Thank you very much for your insight. Uh, Did you catch that third question there, Bub? 
Well, it's essentially closing one Roth, opening up a new Roth. Uh, does that have to? Does that restart the five-year clock on a four hundred one k? Yeah. Yes. On a Roth four hundred one k. Yes, but just roll it into the IRA and you're fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So if if you have like Roth four hundred one ks and Roth IRAs have two separate rules. Yeah. Um, to make this even more complicated. To, to make it even more complicated. <laughs> um, but Stephen. Um, I think you're doing the right things. I think you're doing all right. I wouldn't split too many hairs with this stuff. You can co-mingle the accounts. If you start another uh, Roth 401k, maybe keep that in the Roth. I would just roll it all together. You know what I mean? Roll it into the, an IRA. Well, Roth it, IRA. Unless he's still contributing to the account, um, by all means. Sure. Um, but just off the surface of what, kind of what I'm looking at here, I, I think we answered his question. I think so. But one thing I do want to address, because... If you have a Roth IRA from Schwab and a Roth IRA from Vanguard sure. and a Roth IRA from TD Ameritrade, it doesn't matter. As far as the five-year clock. Five-year clock. If you have, right, it does not matter. The IRS does not care if you have 15 different Roth IRAs from 15 different custodians. So the five-year clock starts at the first dollar in the first Roth. Yes, because, I mean, they're not asking, hey, can you give me your plan, Doc? Right. right? There is now the eight, what's the form? The 6458. What is it? It's Your IRA balance is at the end of the year now that the IRS kind of gives us. 5498, maybe? I think it's 5498. Yeah, 5498. It helps when you say something more than, what's that form? <laughs> you know the form. Well, we're talking about <laughs> Roth IRAs and multiple custodians, and now that the IRS has got um, the fifty four ninety eight, um, they kind of know what the balances are, so they're yeah, getting a little bit tighter I on suppose, this. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't necessarily matter if you have multiple custodians. But you can. Um, but what if you open one at Vanguard? Yeah, and then you. Then you close that one and start one at Schwab. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you opened it, it. Yeah, that's exactly right. It doesn't matter. You can sh- if you can show that you opened your first one. You also have would have to. What about this? What okay. if you open one at, at Vanguard and then withdraw all the money? And that then, doesn't matter. And then start another one later. Totally fine. Totally fine. You sure? I'm absolutely 100 percent positive. <laughs> Bring me an IRS agent, and I will take him down. I'm not <laughs> sure about that. You're Gar- sure? Yes. I give myself 1% out. (laughs) So the question is, you open up a Roth IRA, right? You do do a $5,000 contribution. Yeah, so you open it, let's say, 1998. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then 1990, no, 2000, the dot-coms, because you bought (laughs) toilet.com. <laughs> it went down, it went the, toilet. down the toilet. Right. right. So now the, the account balance is worth zero. Yeah. Or are you saying you took the five thousand dollar distribution and spent it? No, I'm saying you took a distribution. Five thousand? Yeah. It doesn't it, matter. Took, you opened it up in nineteen ninety eight. You, you took it all out. So you never actually made five years. When did you take it out? Two thousand? Two thousand. Doesn't matter. You opened it up in nineteen ninety eight. So then in, in two thousand seventeen you opened up a new one. So you're saying the five year clock already works? Correct. Even though you never ha- you never had a Roth for five years. Yes, you did. You started it in 1998. <laughs> but then you closed it. You I, see, I'm not sure about that. I am. I don't know. Someone, if if someone can beat me <laughs> in Roth knowledge, I will give you one dollar. I know someone that can beat you in Roth knowledge. Who? Ed Slot. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't count. <laughs> He's a pro. I don't, dude. That guy's. <laughs> I mean, wow. 
And then, what, Jeff Levine. Yeah, oh, he could beat you, too. For sure. Without question. I, I, w- I would think probably most people <laughs> in our industry. But not you guys that are listening to me. Because <laughs> you're under the spell of your magic uh, or of your mind, magic. your wealth. You talk your so. magic, your wealth. Your magic, your, magic, your, wealth. your wealth. That's a new title. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thanks for the question, Stephen. Good luck with all of this stuff. And it's as clear as mud, isn't it? I think so. All right. We got Jesse from Lafayette, Louisiana. I have a question pertaining to an implant conversion from after-tax 401k contributions to a Roth 401k. Um, I have been making after-tax contributions in excess of the $19,000 contribution limit and then immediately doing an implant conversion to the Roth 401k option. Mega backdoor. Love it, Jesse. I also have a rollover traditional IRA outside of the 401k. My question is this. Does the pro rata rule apply to my implant Roth conversions? In other words, will I pay tax on a portion of the conversion? For reference, I converted about six thousand this year, and my rollover traditional balance is two hundred thirty. Um, before I answer that question, Jesse, I want to explain a few different things. Let's talk about after-tax contributions in a mega backdoor. Okay, good. Go for it, Al. <laughs> so, with your um, with your four hundred one k. You're allowed to contribute nineteen thousand uh, dollars if you're under fifty, twenty-five thousand dollars if you're fifty and older. This is through the end of two thousand nineteen, by the way. And in some plans, uh, they allow you to contribute additional dollars uh, for after-tax money. In other words, money that you've already paid tax on, you can still contribute that to the plan. And they have these upper limits of fifty-six thousand dollars for a person under fifty, and sixty-two thousand dollars if you're fifty and older. So and that's total contribution to the plan, and, which also includes the employer match, match and, and employer profit sharing, if, if there is such a thing. But if you have a plan that allows you to do after-tax contributions, and it's not already being done by the employer, then uh, that's 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 what this. Yeah, and apparently our four hundred one k provider does not. No, it, understand no, this, and no. it's so frustrating. It is frustrating. It, it makes us want to change. It's like, we, are you a complete imbecile? <laughs> no, you can't do that. I go. Do you understand what profession I'm in? <laughs> I actually. You can only do nineteen thousand, sir. I'm I like, actually, no, I I can do a lot more. I sent them the, a bunch of sites, and they came back and said, uh, "Well, we we don't do this." <laughs> so some plans. So look into this. Please look into this, all of you that are listening. If you can do after-tax contributions, talk to your HR, talk to your plan provider, because this is a very good benefit that a lot of you have, is that if you could put additional dollars after-tax into the plan, if you can afford to, please do so. But then automatically, when you get done with that, you convert it to a Roth. Google just came out with a, um, a, a plan. We have some clients at Google, hypothetically. And they have, in their 401k plan, it automatically converts it for them. How cool oh, is that? Oh, that's nice. Right? Yeah, so Automatic in-plan. Y- yes, automatic in-plan conversion. So you're putting money... You're putting money into your regular Roth account or 401k, you know, pre-tax, after-tax, sure. and then you're doing additional after-tax dollars. That plan will automatically convert it. On it, on it. Okay, that's that's cool. I hadn't heard about that before. Well, let's get their plan. No, I so, no doubt. So it's another way to basically do a much higher Roth contribution, if you will. And so he's asking pro rata rules. So the pro rata rule is this, is that let's say if um, – so this has to do with backdoor Roth IRA 
contribution. So we got the mega back door, and we'll go with the mini back door. Yeah. Uh, the mini back door is this: if if you do not qualify to do a Roth IRA contribution, so there's AGI limitations for that. And if you're married, it's about two hundred thousand. If you're single, it's about one hundred forty. Yeah. Roughly. One thirty-five. Yes. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so if you make too much income, you cannot directly make a contribution to a Roth IRA. So you can do an after-tax IRA contribution and then convert it because there is no AGI limitations on conversions. So now you got the money in the Roth that's compounding tax-free. But there's pro rata rules. So if I already have an IRA and I make an after-tax contribution to another IRA, they're going to take an aggregate of the total amount of IRAs that I have. And then they're going to do a pro rata of, all right, well, how much is after tax versus how much is pre-tax? And they're going to do that percentage to see what is tax-free. Okay? Jesse's asking the same question here. He's like, I did $6,000 after-tax conversion, and I have about $230,000 in my IRA. Is there a pro rata issue that he's wondering about? The answer is no, Jesse, because it's 401k to 401k. You're not even touching the IRA, so you have completely different rules. Continue to do what you're doing because you're doing some good things. Yeah, and it, it is kind of surprising to people that pro rata rule is IRAs only, and any type of IRA it could be a SEP IRA or a simple IRA or you know traditional regular IRA. You have to add all those together as if they were one single account. You could have 20 different IRA accounts, and, and IRS treats it as one. However, if you have a 401k, 403b, TSP, that's not included in this calculation for IRAs. Speaking of the TSP, which was the topic of episode 254, the fellas will address this next week. But in the meantime, thank you to Nick in Alaska, Dan in Phoenix, Dave in Jacksonville, Dale in Santa Rosa, David on Facebook, and Richard for clarifying that TSP contributions made by military service members while in combat zones are tax exempt. I've updated last week's show notes with some relevant links that you've sent, so thank you for those as well. And most importantly, thank you for your service to our country. I've said it before, listener contributions make YMYW what it is, and we appreciate all of you. Click the Ask Joe and Big Al banner in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your questions and comments, and Joe and Big Al will answer in a future podcast. Get there by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Now let's get to some more Roth conversion questions. Kenny, Granite City, Illinois. I have no idea where Granite City is, but kind of a cool name. You know where Granite City is? No, but it's in Illinois. Near Chicago, maybe. (laughs) That's that's the best I got. (laughs) That's the only city you know in Illinois. Yeah, probably. Um, Okay, exciting news. If you're not aware, Amazon Echo has moved from TuneIn to Apple Podcasts as its default podcast player. What this means, it's easier to say, Alexa, play the podcast, Your Money or Wealth. So happy I can finally listen on my Echo devices. Wow. Oh. We're on Echo now. Yeah, that. Kitty. That is cool. Echo. <laughs> Alexa. Alexa. <laughs> so I was listening to You're it on Alexa. I was just Alexas. blowing them up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something totally inappropriate. Yeah, I know you were. Uh, <laughs> I reframe. Okay. Rather than a question, I'd like to lay out my scenario and ask uh, for a strategy in converting my IRAs to Roth if that's beneficial. I'm 38, single, employed, disabled, uh, blind, and currently making $110,000 a year. I have $200,000 in a brokerage account, $120,000 in a Roth, $680,000 in a 401k, and $150,000 in my pension 
If I wanted to pay minimal taxes in retirement, what type of conversion strategy would you recommend? Topic for another day is discuss dividend stocks. Well, we can do that. Man, I got to say, first of all, Kenny from Granite City is absolutely crushing the ball at 38. The, this guy's just jamming. He's got quite a side hustle in addition to his regular job. What's he doing? He's Okay, so, so okay. he's 38. He saved a lot of money. Saved a ton of dough. And he wants to say he doesn't really want to pay any taxes, minimal taxes in retirement. So when do you want to retire? When you know what I mean? Um, does he have a conversion rate? He makes, but his pension's one hundred fifty thousand, and he makes one hundred ten thousand dollars a year. He's single, right? Yeah, he's single. One hundred ten thousand. He's in the what? The twenty four percent tax bracket. I would, um, if he's got an option. Well, he's in the twenty-two percent bracket now, but he could be in the twenty-four later. He's single. Yeah, the twenty-two goes up to about one sixty. No, for married is one. Okay, one sixty for no, single. No, 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 no. No, maybe I got married. Yeah, yeah, you got married. I think you're. I think you're right this time. I know I'm right. <laughs> it's eighty-four. Yes, yes. I was like, <laughs> or whatever. Okay. I can't. I can't read it, but it's something in the eighties. Yeah. One hundred ten thousand. He's single. One sixties for uh, yeah. One sixty to one sixties. One sixty to one sixty is in the twenty four percent. One sixty. That's the top of the twenty four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He's in the twenty four. Okay, I stand corrected. So um, I would. What's a conversion strategy? Um, he's going to have a ton if he's thirty eight. He's already got that much money in a four hundred one k. He's got a hundred fifty thousand dollar pension. Um, I have no idea what he's saving on an annual basis, but it seems like probably quite a bit. Um, or unless he works for Netflix, um, and then he had Netflix stock, right? That boosted up to six eighty. But Could I don't be. think Netflix is in Granite well, City, I have, Illinois. I have two ideas for a strategy. How about that? Okay. And he's got a pension, so. So here, here's my first idea, yeah. and, and that is, if the hundred ten thousand dollars per year is going to continue for quite some time, I would convert to the top of the twenty four percent without question. Which is one hundred sixty thousand of taxable income. Now, if your income's one ten and the standard deduction is about twelve thousand, let's just call it fifteen thousand. Easier math. So ninety five thousand. So you could do about a sixty five thousand dollar conversion, give or take, and stay in the twenty four percent bracket. So that's one yeah, potential but, approach. But but Kenny, you got to take a look. It's in your four hundred one k plan. Um, so I'm not sure if you have a Roth component in the four hundred one k plan that allows you to do an interplan conversion. Um, because he's thirty eight. True. Right, that's a good point. Uh, and or if there's an in-service withdrawal provision, probably not probably at that not, age. Yeah. But you would still want to check that. But hopefully, you'd have a Roth component in your 401k that you could convert in plan. Here's another strategy, though, and that is if you're going to retire, you're 38. Let's say you're going to retire in five years, just to make up a number. Okay, a but you you may be years off from your Social Security, your pension. Uh, as as well as your required minimum distributions, then you're going to be in a super low bracket, and then you start doing aggressive conversions at that point. If you if you feel like there'll be a point in time where you can live off of your brokerage account and have pay very have very little income and do your conversions at that time, so based so there's a couple ways to go potentially. Yeah, Kenny, we just need a lot more information in regards to a how much money are you saving? When do you actually want to retire? Uh, do you have a Roth component within the overall 401k if you're looking to do conversions? Are you looking to retire now and did this 150000 pension get paid out at whatever, at 38? I've never seen that, but it, I've seen stranger things. 
Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of dialing this thing in uh, just a little bit better. But first of all, um, good for you, uh, brother. Uh, you, yeah, you, it's you're a killing tr- it there. tremendous uh, savings program. Unless he's giving us future values. Maybe. <laughs> he's 38. When I'm 68, I hope to have maybe 120000 in my... He woke up from a dream, and that's what he wanted. Yeah. Check out his comment. You guys are the best financial podcast out there. It's very nice. All others describe the basics on saving money. Yeah, we don't do any of that crap. <laughs> We've graduated to first uh, grade. I enjoy that you actually share strategies for maximizing return and minimizing taxation after a person has done as well as they should uh, saved for retirement. So, uh, like Kenny, it. thank you for uh, the fine, nice words. We awesome. really appreciate you uh, listening. And thanks, Alexa. Alexa, play... Um, play Your Money, Your Wealth, please. <laughs> <laughs> that will confuse it. Yeah, keep playing. <laughs> I am playing Your Money, Your Wealth, Kenny. <laughs> Alexa. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we got James from Arizona. Hello again, Jensen lady. Uh, thank you for responding to my question a few weeks ago regarding my idea of converting about $315,000 this year. I retire in 2024 since that is the year before the current rate expires, tax rate expires. What I failed to tell you is that this money is currently in my 401k. My plan was to roll to an IRA at retirement and then do the conversions. You suggested doing a little each year and not wait until 2024 um, for the entire conversion. Okay, now we got an update here, Al. Okay, update, for sure. Okay, um... Nowhere in our 401k plan documents does it say anything about being able to do an in-service Roth conversion. I called customer service at the plan. They said I could not do a conversion until I'm 59 and a half. Since that person did not sound too confident, <laughs> I finally called our corporate plan administrator and found out I can do a conversion, and I will be doing one in December to fill up my 24% rate. I wanted to thank you for the idea and to also suggest... You should let your listeners know to be persistent, persistent, yes. since sometimes you may get a different answer, uh, depending on what you ask. I also want to suggest a book I recently read called The Power of Zero. Uh, okay. You want to suggest it or recommend it, because that book is not great. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you read it? Yes, I've read. Uh, David McKnight, he's a, kind of a, he's out there. Um, if that doesn't push someone to contribute to a Roth 401k, Roth conversion, I don't know which will. Um, he He's a big life insurance guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you well, boy. Yes. Right? Okay. So, um, yeah. James, got to tell you, thank you for that because I don't know how many – we do that for our clients, right? So – um, if someone is like, hey, well, I want to do a Roth conversion. Can I do an in-service withdrawal or this and that? Then they come back to us and they say, no, we can't do it. And I was like, okay, well, here, no, I have a client that works at your firm, and, and we did and, it. And we already did We've it. already done it. Yes. So let me get on the phone with you because you have to sometimes. Because that first person that picks up the phone, I would say 50% of the time, you're probably not going to get the right answer, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially when you get into complex stuff. Well, and I, and that's in defense of all those great HR people out there. This is complex stuff. And, and unless you're a tax specialist, you probably don't even know fully what the answers are. Right. We're looking at... We have after-tax dollars. We'd like to get the after-tax dollars out, put those into a Roth IRA. And speaking of just really bad advice, um, 
I just ran into hypothetically a gentleman that had two hundred fifty thousand dollars of after tax money. Okay, took the money out and uh, with advice from his advisor, took the two hundred fifty thousand dollars out and bought a non qualified indexed annuity. Oh boy! <laughs> I was like, "Are you f- kidding me?" Um, so be careful where you're getting your advice from, too. David sure. McKnight. Um, I actually love the music um, of David McKnight. Oh, Brian, Brian, Mc- McKnight. Brian McKnight. <laughs> love Brian McKnight. I love me some Brian McKnight. David McKnight, not so much. <laughs> because <laughs> I would not want to put on the power of zero when I got a little you know, candlelight. In some <laughs> Wait, that would help you on your date? It probably would. Have the book on tape playing with candlelight? Yeah. <laughs> and you uh, too. Yeah, my, Alexa, put on uh, <laughs> David McKnight. Uh, the power of zero. <laughs> no, I mean Brian. <laughs> oh, shoot. I mean Brian McKnight. Um, yeah, I, the power of zero, the, the concept behind the book is that, okay, well, you can be in a 0% tax bracket, so Roth contributions, you know, this storm is coming. It's it, He's more fear than than anyone that I've ever heard. Tax rates are going to triple. They're going to quadruple, you know. You're gonna, they're gonna he's take not, more more he's money. He's not a fear monger. He's a fear mongrel. No, it's a mongrel. <laughs> I, no, I looked it up. <laughs> Look up fear mongrel. You'll you'll see David and Brian McKnight. Their picture. <laughs> All right. He's got a last quick question. Okay. Um, what is the easiest way to calculate an estimated tax for a current year so I don't go over the 24% tax bracket? Is there a website? Download a spreadsheet you can suggest. I'm doing a tally on a spreadsheet, but I don't want to miss anything. It looks like I'm straddling a 24% tax bracket, and I don't want to tip the wrong way now that I'll be doing these conversions each December. Uh, I enjoy your show and can't get enough of this stuff. All right. Um, I, I would say it's for me personally. It's hard to find free, good free tax projection software out there. I'm sure maybe there's some that exist. I know TurboTax and 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 H&R Block have free versions of of some, but it's not really designed for projections. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, the way we do it, we actually use tax projection software. And if you don't have that, you can sort of do back of the envelope. But it, but I agree with with uh, James's comment is you can easily miss something in terms of deductions getting phased out and so forth. So if if you especially in the twenty four, I mean that's a giant bracket. You know what I'd probably do is I would probably just get two thousand eighteen TurboTax. It'd be pretty close to two thousand nineteen. Just put in what you think your income's going to be in nineteen. See how it comes out. That should be pretty close. Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com and click Financial Resources in the upper left to access our blog with 12 financial tips for the new year, all of our white papers, including the 2019 tax checklist and tax planning guides, which will help you to prepare for April 15th, the guide to the new Secure Act for Retirement Savings, the Retirement Readiness Guide, the Social Security Handbook, the Retirement Lifestyles Guide, and tons more. Plus, we have a whole section of educational videos done by the financial planners here at Pure Financial on topics like ETFs, fiduciary duty, annuities, stepped-up cost basis, and tons more. And of course, if you can't get enough of Joe and Big Al, there are also five seasons worth of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Get your fill of personal finance at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al to send in your money questions. So where do we go from there? I don't know. We go to Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Hey, we're on the same page, Big Al. My son, Ryan from San Diego. Oh, he wrote in, huh? Hi, Dad. (laughs) 
Love your show. <laughs> Love your show. I was curious. I listen to you guys at an unhealthy level. Right. You need to start dating. <laughs> oh, God, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. Hi, right, guys and gal. Uh, excellent podcast. <laughs> I listen to you guys at <laughs> unhealthy <laughs> level. level. Oh, man. I probably listen and read. Too much. too much. Wow, what is he doing here? Um, I want to make smart decisions with my money. As we enter into um, the next inevitable uh, downturn of our economy, whether it's this year, next year, or soon after, I was wondering what advice you give for. One, <clears throat> investments already in accounts. I have a 401k, 529s, an emergency fund. Well, I have an emergency fund as well. Oh, as 16K in stock. So he's got emergency fund slash and 16,000 in stock? Or is his emergency fund 16,000 in stock? Uh, I think he's got emergency fund as well as 16,000 in stock. Okay. In addition to. Got it. Uh, money that I receive and would normally invest, I'm expecting about 60K in bonuses. Is it dumb? To just hold on to the cash and wait until a downturn, um, yeah, I would say. I mean, it's so hard to predict. It is. Um, or maybe isn't it over, but at least wait until we are through the initial stages? Or am I just trying to time the market? Um, that is the definition of timing the market, Ryan. <laughs> you know, our good buddy Larry Swedro talked about this at one point, and he, he basically said this, that everyone that tries this strategy ends up losing more of the upside than they ever gain on trying to get that downturn market. And you could have made this this argument 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, and you would have missed the biggest bull market in our history. Right. So, so I wouldn't do that. Yeah, Ryan, you're young enough where you have time, you know? And it's like, I would not try to time the market. You're 38 years old. You know, you have plenty of time to get through any type of downturn. I would be fully invested. Keep saving as much as you can. And trust me, it's all going to work out for you. We got Marion writing in from Fresno. Marion goes on to say, my daughter and I were talking about our account with the Vanguard advisor. He insisted that lump sum investing, not dollar cost averaging, is the only way to invest. I'm wondering what your position is on this. Uh, Marion, Marion, Marion. Um, by, by the way, Marion is female and frequent listener and emailer. Awesome. Well, thanks for enjoying the, the program, Marion. Yes, yes. I've never heard of a Marion as a man. I have. Marion Barry. Marion, ba who the hell's Marion Barry? Wasn't he the like the governor of Chicago? <laughs> or, well, you said you had never heard of a man well, named no, Marion. Oh, well, now you said Marion Barry, and I was like, oh boy, that reminds me. He was an American <laughs> politician who served as the second mayor of the District of Columbia from '79 oh, yeah, to '91. Oh really was he, close to Chicago. Yeah, very close. <laughs> uh, same with um, what's up. Right. Granite City. Oh Illinois. yeah, right, right next to Chicago <laughs> or St. Louis yes. is what I meant. All right. Um, okay. So there, there's two, mathematically speaking, or I guess if you look at the, the academic research. Okay. Um, Wade Fowl? If, if, yeah. Well, let's pretend you're Wade Fowl for a second. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing my Wade Fowl impression. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so um, if, if you look at um, lump sum investing, 
you will get a premium on your dollar um, because you're because more is invested sooner and the market goes up more than it goes down on, on average. 70% it goes up, 30% it goes down. So you have the lump sum over time. You will far um, you, you would be better off if you did lump sum investing. Is he insisted though that's the only way to invest? Well, this guy she no, the the, the advisor. Oh, the Vanguard advisor. advisor. Oh, okay. Um uh, it, well, he shouldn't insist on anything when it comes to this because it, it needs to be what you're comfortable with. Yeah, good point. The reason why people dollar cost average in, if you have a lump sum, is that you, you're you worried about a market downturn as soon as you invest this money. right? So like, I have $100,000 I just received from an inheritance. Do I invest it all at once or do I maybe do $1,000 biweekly? You know what right, I mean? into the market, sure. sure. For the next five years. Well, that would it makes people feel a little bit better just because they could be risk adverse. Maybe they're not experienced in investing. Um, do I agree with the Vanguard advisor of saying that lump sum investing is the only way to go? No, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, but over time, um, because I know Vanguard did a study on this stuff to you, and they looked at it and they were did. like, "Okay, well, well you know, I think it's two percent more over time, depending on how many markets and Monte Carlo simulations they ran." But do what you feel comfortable with, what you and your daughter feel comfortable with. It sounds to me that you probably feel more comfortable dollar cost averaging into the overall market. If that's going to keep you on track, then do that. But you cannot do a dollar cost averaging investment. Um, based on certain decisions, you need to set a, a, a policy statement. You're going to say, I'm going to invest X amount of dollars every single week into this portfolio until all the money's totally invested. Right. Not when I feel like it. Not when you feel like yeah. it. Not when you feel that the market is up or when the market's down. Like what, our, our buddy that Ryan was just on, it was like, well, we know the market's going to crash, so I'm just going to wait until that cycle hits, and then I'm going to invest my money. Yeah. Well, we don't know when that's going to be. It could be another two years, three years, and we could have another huge bull market over the next several years. We could. So just to reiterate what you said, Joe, and I agree with that, is is the lump sum mathematically is, is a better strategy to get that all invested. But here's the worst thing that can happen, is you put a lump sum in the market, the market tanks, you take everything out because the market doesn't work, and you never get back into the market because you're tainted. And we see people do this. And if you're concerned that that's what's going to happen with you, then don't do it. Do the dollar cost averaging, something that you're comfortable with, but it needs to be regular. It needs to be systematic. Otherwise, it will never get done. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to put in X amount of dollars into the market every month, every week, every biweekly, whatever. And don't stop until it's Yeah, until it's done. Right. All right. Well, good luck, Marion. See? Way better than Vanguard Advisors. <laughs> Way better. We're, we're going to Shane from Hamden, Connecticut. Oh, right. Yeah. Shane, I remember Shane from Yale. Right? Didn't he go to Yale? His wife is attending Yale. Well, that, oh. Wow, what a memory you have. That's why they're there. It's called a steel trap, Al. <laughs> it's called Andy, Al. I remember Hamden. It is called Andy. <laughs> I remember Hamden. I remember. remember we were like, where the hell is Hamden? I remember. And then he wrote back, and he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah, I remember <laughs> Because that. apparently you don't go to Yale where you don't know where Hamden is. We, we got <laughs> Hamden is a nice little suburb. He's got a couple of kids and a, and a dog, and yeah, they go we, outside, and it's we got, nice. We got educated, yep. I remember everything about Shane. Okay. Hi, Joe, Al, and Andy. 
I've asked a question in the past. See, boom, about being 100% Roth and thoroughly enjoying listening to your response. Well, Shane, just wait for this one. <laughs> It's getting worse. <laughs> we should have answered it right at the front of the show when we had energy. Uh, thank you. Uh, got another one for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on using Total World Stock Index Fund uh, for our Roth accounts? As index investing is meant to be passive, I feel that I'm making an active bet holding a different international allocation percentage. Okay, I'm personally comfortable with owning the world market and not biased toward the U.S. My wife and I are 31, uh, and she goes to Yale. No, he didn't write that. I just kind of threw that <laughs> you, in there. You knew that, though. <laughs> uh, they consistently put um, in money each month. I am coming to the point where I just want one fund to throw our money into. Ignore the noise. Uh, don't think about rebalancing. Truly invest passive, etc. We invest enough where we don't need to shoot for the moon as for our annual return, and I would be fine with a modest market return. Maybe 20 years from now, it would consider allocating a portion to the total bond index uh, to control risk, but since the intent is to leave legacy for our kids, I'm considering staying 100% stocks um, if we've uh, accumulated enough and we stay on track. Well, anyways... We'd love to know your feeling about the World Stock Fund, the good, the bad. Look forward to another informative answer. Uh, thanks. All right, Shane. <clears throat> I like it. Uh, to be honest with you, you got our portfolio um, looks very similar to that, but it, a little bit more complex. And Shane wants things easy and simple. Yeah, one, one fund. One fund. Um, total World Index. So you got the total U.S. stock market index, and you got the total international index. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm done with that. I have no qualms with that. It's cheap. You're fully diversified. you got thousands of different companies, probably 30 different countries. Um, you know? So my, my analysis is identical to you. Okay. I, I like it, too. I think, um, I think your Roth account is going to be invested for 10 years or more. I think he's got everything in the Roth. Remember his question? Didn't it say be. something like, hey, is it, can I put everything into the Roth? That I, he, he, no, he suggested he was asking, what do you think about having all of my money in Roth? Right. So, yeah. yeah. But as far as what actually is in there, I don't remember that. But at no, any, I don't think he'd At any rate, it's that. long-term money. So I would go all stock market if you can handle the ups and downs a lot of people can't so a lot of people will tell them you know do 80 percent in the market or 60 percent in the market so so it's the the safe part kind of smooths out the ride a little bit but if you can handle the ups and downs you'll do better longer term um, and it's it's you're going to hold it for a while you've got a lot of international exposure a lot of u.s exposure and uh and it's a it's a passive investment low cost i mean it's yeah, yeah the only thing that i would add shane is I I know they have emerging markets um, within the international sector, but you, you might want to break it out there. But if you only want one fund, who, who am yeah. I? Who cares? I, I know. And, and if you want to get, you could also have a little bit more value and a little bit smaller companies. They they tend to do better than a than a total stock market. But emerging markets would be uh, that that would probably be the first pullout I would do. If, if you if you wanted two funds, I would do ninety percent of this and ten percent emerging markets. How about right. that? Yep. Something like um, that. So Shane. If if set it, forget it. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm totally cool with that at 31. But I think once you start accumulating more dollars, you know, you start getting several hundred thousand dollars saved, and it sounds like you're well on your way to that if you're not already there. Um, 
then you might want to look at maybe a little bit more sophisticated strategies just to maximize your return. You know, because you've got such a long time horizon. You know, if you could squeak out maybe another 50 basis points or 1%. Um, on the overall portfolio over a 20, 30 year period, I mean, now you're, uh, I mean, that legacy for your kids just got a lot bigger. I, I will say one mm-hmm. other thing too, and that is as your balances grow bigger and bigger, uh, not all spouses are on the same page in terms of one may be more fearful that they might lose the account. And, and Well, the more money you get, the more, you know, interesting life becomes. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And, and particularly even if you are very, comfortable with risk, if your account balance gets up to a million dollars, your spouse may not be. Right, yeah, because all of a sudden you lose 30% of that. Yeah. That's and 300 grand. Right. You and, lose 40%, right? And and if you're in charge of that investment, and then your spouse, we've seen this before. I, I, they come into the office and they, they're <laughs> they're looking at their husband or wife, whoever's done, doing the investing, and that person has to basically say, yeah, we made a mistake there. Um, another downfall um, of just only using one fund is that you know when you look at rebalancing, when you look at tax managing, there's different, I guess, advantages by having different types of um, asset class and funds. Um, so w- when you only have one fund, you've got one share price, and it's at the NAV of the mutual fund. And so within that, you have 55% U.S., 44% non-U.S. And let's say you start taking dollars from this account, that you have to live off, or maybe you just live off the dividends. You're not going to sell any shares. I don't know. It, with one fund, it, it's very inefficient when you start trying to create income from it. But I, you're I, only, agree, I agree with that. But you're only 31, so, so that's, that's a long ways. It's out. a long ways to go. So I w- even would like maybe something a little bit more aggressive than that. Um, if he wants to stay all stock, he seems all stock. So look for. Uh, you could probably find. Um, I could do some research for you, but well, I, 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 I get paid for that, Shane. I, I like and you went to Yale, and so I, you should know that. <laughs> I like. I like my idea. Just add a second fund with emerging markets because emerging markets is the biggest roller coaster asset class there is. But over a twenty-year period, it's often the leader. Yep. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. If you guys got money questions, um, we got some really terrible answers for you. <laughs> Ask Joe in L on the air. You could do a little voice recording. It's kind of cool. Yeah, we got we've had two of those. I know. It's in been our in the history of our show. <laughs> yes. Please do another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get uh, multiple multiple emails we each do. and every week, and we try to get them all done. But there's there's several that are kind of backlogged, and we're yeah, tra- we, 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 we try, try our best to, to you know to, to get to them each week. But if you do a voice recording, we don't have to read it. We can get to this. Yeah, if you hate listening to me fumble through your emails, just send a recording so I don't got to read this. Right. I want to mention the fact that we did get a comment from somebody named Derek in Brooklyn who says, I enjoy your insight and you should have a showcase on the East Coast. I don't know what he wants you to showcase, but I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Just a little showcase. Yeah, let's do a road tour. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. I could imagine going on the road with you, Al. Let's do shows from pubs on the East Coast. Oh, I could do that. I knew you. I, I see. I All right, you. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. All right, sounds good. We got to go. Uh, we'll see you next week. Show's got your money well.
We've got a ton of derails at the very end of the episode, so if you like the non-financial silliness of YMYW, stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a no-cost, no-obligation, two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner from Pure, either in person at one of our four Southern California offices in San Diego, Brea, Irvine, and Woodland Hills, or via video web meeting. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. I'm going to have to... Dig deep. You're, you're losing your voice. Uh, yeah. Now, is this is this because you're getting older? Your voice doesn't last that long. No, no. Because now is it because it's winter and you kind of got a cold going on? No, not even now that, that you're into no. your no. late forties. No, I just smoked a big fat cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. A late forties? What the? What are you I, talking well, about? Of your oh my took god! Those not see late forties. Oh my god! I'm not even close to that. All right, mid forties. Not even close to that. All right, we got. You're in the middle. How how much more middle can you get than your age? Um, you're pretty for, far. Forty five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and a half. Okay. I'm just doing the math. Got man. it. Got it. Got it. Uh, my birthday's in June. 26th. 45 and a half. Okay. <laughs> I guess I was more closer to 40 than 50, but now it's going the other I way. I said you're late 40s now, brother. Yeah, but I look like I'm 32. <laughs> but I act like I'm by, 17. By whose account do you look like you're... I don't know. That's what the mirror tells him. Yeah. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. You do have a youthful look. Thank I, you. I will vouch for All that. right. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Way? Way. Totally. Okay. That Southern California talk. Uh, yeah, yeah. Southern yeah. California, like in the eighties. I don't. I, right. <laughs> yeah, that's back to. Wow, bro. I used to say bra, bra. Hey, bra. Yeah, you did. I think. And then people would say, way back. Now he says brother. Did you say bra? <laughs> hey, bra. Well, What's going on, bra? They still say that in Hawaii. But if you're Howley, they look at you like. Then I say, what are you talking about? Yeah, now I'm older and mature. Hello, brother. You know, say bro? Hey, bro. I thought you said bro. No, sometimes. If I'm really close to you, I might say bro. Or if I'm pissed. You've never called me bro yet. Yeah. Because I'm not that close. <laughs> Actually, you texted me. You said bro. Oh. Hey, bro. Oh. I got it on record. <laughs> you saved it. Oh. Were, were you buzzed? Yeah, I probably was. Yeah. Probably was. I got a sneeze. Stop. I don't know what form you're talking about, but uh, oh, you didn't you didn't get the sneeze out. Oh man, I almost died. It's, <laughs> God, have you ever tried to hold a sneeze and it's, then all of a sudden like everything? Not, it's not good. I don't think it's healthy. No, it's I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it's really hazardous. <laughs> That's why you you look funny. Right? His brain leaking oh, out yeah. of his headphones. Uh, yeah, and I like I think I blew a <laughs> vertebrate. You're, you got this big throat on the right side of your head right now. <laughs> it looks good though, I do. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I feel wonderful. Yeah. Holy buckets, that was that was interesting. Granite City is near St. Louis. Yeah, Granite City. You don't know that now? I, I do now. Granite City, don't they have a brewery? Every city has a brewery. Yeah, really. Oh no, isn't it called like Granite City Brewery or something like that? Or isn't there like a like a? Um, I'm I, not a big microbrew kind I, of guy. I would say every city 
in the United States has a brewery with its city name in it. It's my prediction. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I'll bet. Yeah. Is there such thing as uh, San Diego Brewing Company? I'm sure there is. It's called... Um, <laughs> there is a Granite City Food and Brewery. I don't know if that's... Oh, yeah, it's really good. It's actually <laughs> headquartered in Bloomington, Minnesota. Oh, well, oh. maybe that's why I know. Maybe. Oh, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Okay.